Good morning, Misfits. You are tuning in to episode three of the Misfit Project. I'm your host, Drew Crandall. Over on the controls is Ted. Yo. Instead of asking you how you're doing this morning, I'm going to ask you how you slept last night. Ooh, I slept great. Uh, I Honestly, I got a new sleep mask in the mail the other day. Oh. It's called the Manta sleep mask, and it has these adjustable eye cups so that there's no pressure on your eye, and you can set the eye holes exactly where you need them. So it blacks out 100%, and it's soft and comfortable and doesn't slide around. It's great. That sounds next level right there. Dude, it is. Kickstarter. I found it. Shit. I don't know if they're in production yet, but man, it's it's the best. Yeah, I've tried I've tried a bunch of sleep masks, and there's like the one that everyone recommends on a bunch of podcasts. It's this like big, puffy blue one. Yep. Um, really comfortable, does a good job. Always comes off my head though. Yep. Always. Yep. I always wake up. And I guess it like kind of does its job prior to that because I fall asleep. But at the same time, like if we're on the road for a training camp and we're in like an Airbnb and there's just no curtains or whatever and it's sun wants to come blasting through at 5 a.m. or yep. whatever it is, that's when it's like, yep. where is it? Like, for sure. Yeah. I wear it on just a regular basis because, you know, just in the morning, even when the shades are drawn, you have that light that comes in. And oh, yeah. I've gotten to a point now where even just a little bit of light will mess my sleep up a little bit. Yep. So, so episode two of the Misfit Project was about tribes. And if you guys haven't listened to that yet, it would make a lot of sense for you to um, maybe even pause this and go back to that one now. Or uh, we'll do a little bit of a recap here and you guys can decide whether you want to jump in on another podcast. But essentially what we're trying to do here is we're trying to create a system where if you go in order, um, things will become easier for you. And the easiest way for me to explain the segue from tribes to sleep is you can't sleep your way to better personal relationships. That would not be very easy. So, um, and there's no, there's no joke. There's no innuendo in that. I mean, literally just sleep. So, I think it's really important to start there to um, get yourself in the mindset of making sure that those personal relationships are where they need to be, or at least that you're starting to audit them and deciding, you know, which ones need work, which ones should stay, which ones should go. And then there's the piece that's a direct correlation to sleep, which is the sunlight thing. Um, we'll go over it, you know, in more detail throughout this podcast, but essentially, um, sunlight's going to help set that circadian rhythm. Sunlight's going to allow your body to have that back and forth between cortisol and melatonin, which is essentially wakefulness hormones and then sleep hormones. So, um, that's really kind of that direct correlation. Now, what I'm going to keep saying in these podcasts is in the magical world of how we're going to, going to explain this, you've already started working on this stuff, whether you have or not. Um, and that's where the segue into sleep happens. I am very happy. Um, I'm not, I, I won't call myself a sleep hipster. Um, I'm very happy that it's super popular right now. It makes my life easier. Sometimes when you're really into something and then it becomes really popular, you can kind of just be like, eh, okay, is this is whatever, is this is special anymore? But we're talking about sleep. So if I get more people to listen to this because it's popular, that's great. Now, what I want to do is give you guys as much information as possible in this podcast. And the way that I've chosen to do so is to get out all of the like studies and scare tactics and all that stuff at the beginning and then go into action items. Because I believe that talking about how important sleep is, is great. And what happens when you don't sleep, what happens when you do sleep. But if I don't give you guys any, you know, stuff to cling on to, stuff to try, stuff to do to improve your sleep and to convince yourself that it's worth, you know, adding a little consistency in, then really all this would be is just like fun facts to share at dinner. Um, and, and that's not always the most helpful thing in the world. So fun facts to share at dinner that nobody's going to want to listen to. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I think I know all too well my fun facts not not landing when it comes to, you know, wellness categories. I got to know my audience a little bit better yeah, sometimes. Yeah, if you're if you're sitting at dinner, you're eating your Mexican food, drinking your margarita and you're spitting off studies, I feel like people might shun a little bit yeah, away from you. It's true. So, we're going to break this down in terms of the good, the bad, and the ugly and then jump into those action items. Um 
Americans used to sleep about eight hours a night just back in like 1960. Americans now average less than six hours and 40 minutes. Whoa. And if you look at Americans, it's showing. <laughs> yeah, for it's sure. It's showing in many ways. And we're going to learn how, but there's, again, I just, it's always so important to me that there's that intuitive piece. We used to do something, we don't do it now, and it's pretty damn obvious that things are not as good in health categories as they used to be. So that's really kind of the, the, the big take home for me is when we keep looking back at this ancestral health model, let's find the things that can actually help. Let's pull the pieces out that can actually help. And as I mentioned in the last podcast, let's not argue about whether cavemen ate bread or not. Not necessarily the most important thing. So what happens when we have that sleep deprivation? First and foremost, it absolutely annihilates our immune system. So our ability to head out into the world and, you know, take on, you know, viruses and, you know, colds and all these different things and making sure that we can stay healthy, lack of sleep annihilates our immune system. Um, on a little bit more of a scarier note, uh, doubles our cancer risk. Whoa. Sleep deprivation Whoa. doubles our cancer risk. And that, you know, there's so much motivation. I know there's so much motivation sitting right here in this room. We've both been through, you know, just, you know, I'm getting the tingles thinking about it. Like just all this negative stuff associated with cancer. It's been such a big part of our lives and, you know, our loved ones. And, and obviously that's, um, a huge issue in America specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a pretty motivating factor for me. That's for damn sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if something as simple as sleeping more can help curb that risk, it it's worth it. Well worth it. Absolutely. Putting the effort. The, the, you know, that next big one in America is going to be heart disease and without any other factors brought into the equation, lack of sleep starts blocking our arteries. So there's all these arguments about, and, and a lot of it has to do with the arteries becoming stiff, um, us being in a catabolic state more often than an anabolic state, we, our body really needs that time to like reset and let things relax. And that includes your heart. So, um, really important there. Alzheimer's, um, they're, they're finding that once they have the beginning signs of Alzheimer's and they put you through a sleep study that they can actually see when you're sleeping well, um, you know, those cofactors start to go down in your brain and then they go up when you're not sleeping well. Hmm. So essentially they're watching in real time, people's dementia and Alzheimer's getting worse wow. through sleep deprivation. Um, the one, the one for me that's always really crazy is I've, I've heard it explained as one day or one week, either way, pretty short period of time. But one week of sleep deprivation, if you had one week of sleep deprivation, then you went to see your doctor for like a checkup, you would show up as pre-diabetic. From sleep deprivation. From sleep deprivation. Wow. And really it's about, you know, these huge swings in, in blood glucose. We all know, um, you know, whether it's just being tired or maybe you have a hangover or something, you wake up in the morning, sleep deprived, and... You really want like a really good like breakfast sandwich or something like that. All the grease. Yeah, exactly. The grease. And, the, and that's the, it's, it's a combination of those blood sugar swings being a really big problem. And it's a combination of, we actually secrete less of the hormone that tells us that we're full and more of the hormone that tells us that we're hungry if we don't sleep. And then it gets flipped if we do sleep. So both of those things are at play, which is like again, a huge motivator to say like, if I want to head out and another reason for the order that we're choosing is if I want to head out into the day and really feel like I'm under control, you know, whether it's stress, whether it's, you know, diet, whether it's deciding whether I want to work out or not, it all starts the night before. It all starts the night before with being able to make sure that you actually get a decent amount of sleep. Um, and then this next study and what's What's great about this, if, if I'm just depressing the hell out of everyone right now, <laughs> what's great about this is there's a, a study that I'm going to mention that essentially flips this one upside down in a positive light. But there was a study covering a span of five years using CT scans that found an increase of over 20% in 
in visceral fat of patients that slept less than six hours per night versus those who slept more than six hours. So we're not bringing in any other factors here. Five years using CT scans to really see this visceral fat, that kind of fat that we don't want on our bodies and tons and tons and tons, not, not a scientific term, tons and tons and tons. Um, but a lot of people without the numbers right in front of me in this study and without any other factors at all, a 20% increase in body fat between these two groups. And that's, it's only six hours. That's not like a huge number. Like when you talk to some people, they're like, Oh, I get four to five. It's one more hour. Right. You go to bed one hour earlier. Exactly. In some cases, it's only six hours. I mean, what's six hours out of your day? Exactly. And that's, and that's really, once we get down into sleep quantity today, that's my minimum. Yeah. But it's, but it's six hours of sleep. If you have five hours and 45 minutes in bed, you can't check that off as four full sleep cycles. (laughs) That just does not count at all. Um, so as we kind of make our, our way down through this again, it can be, it can be a little bit depressing. Um, and the segue there is when we alter our circadian rhythm. So when we essentially, our body has this, this internal clock that's based on its, you know, biological clock and then what's going on outside. So sunshine, um, our bodies know we get a little bit of sunshine, cortisol goes up, dusk rolls around, melatonin starts to be produced. That's when we know we need to go to bed. When we alter that circadian rhythm, whether that's through artificial light, whether that's through jet lag, whether that's through, you know, not getting outside, doing all of these things, um, there is a huge increase in major depressive disorder. Um, and that kind of goes back and forth with that insomnia piece of this terrible negative feedback loop of we screw up a little bit with our sleep. We alter our circadian rhythm. We develop a little bit more of that depression that causes the insomnia. The insomnia causes the depression. And then we're just going around in circles. Just stuck. Just stuck. Yeah. Just stuck in this spot where it's like, how do I get out of it? I, I can't get out of it. I, I don't have the, you know, I don't have the mindset to try to make these changes here. Um, so again, now that, now that we've, now that we've gone down that road and tried to essentially scare you into listening to these action items that are coming up, it's always important to flip them upside down. And you've, you've already done a good job of that by saying, well, that, you know, yes, it's 20% increase in visceral fat, but why can't you just sleep a little bit more? Right. That's the mindset that we need to be able to adopt. We need to be able to take these studies and, you know, there's the clickbait headline. There's the, are you not sleeping enough? Is your left foot going to fall off? Like once we go in there and we actually read what the study was and we have a, you know, use our analytical brains to decide whether it was actually meaningful, then we can say, what can I do to reverse this? And we mentioned stuff, you know, in episode two about how simple it could be to reverse a lot of these things. And that's the direction we want to head now with the sleep. So I said that I had sort of an inverse, um, I had sort of an inverse study. Fat loss increases by 55%. That's right. 55% in people that spend eight and a half hours in bed at night versus five and a half hours. Now this is spend eight and a half hours in bed. Does that is that saying eight and a half hours of sleep? Well, so for, for them to be able to, to do this study, um, a lot of sleep studies are about getting them into a like perfectly dark room and it's for this period of time and they do monitor their sleep. But essentially, a lot of the sleep studies have shown that once a person resets, like there's one, I know there was one where they put people in a room for 11 hours pitch black. Ooh. It was just like, do what you do what you got to do. And a lot of people, almost every person had to get that. They had to catch up. So they were sleeping 10, you know, nine to 10 hours a night, but it regressed back to our natural circadian rhythm, which is more in that eight hour range. Right, right. So, so this, this study was similar in nature in that if they controlled how long they were in, you know, an advantageous place to, to sleep. Right. 
what happened. And fat loss was increased. And I know eight, eight and a half hours is a long time for a lot of people. People because. listening to this, um, especially, you know, we're such a big part of this like wellness and human performance community that it doesn't sound crazy. Right, right. But I uh, did a lecture for a group of construction workers who, you know, they're putting the kids to bed. You know, maybe their kids, you know, at a certain, you know, kids are teenagers now. They still got to get up at four and drive right. to that site that's, you know, 90 minutes away. And when I started mentioning these time ranges, they were like, no, it's just not going to happen. But what if, you know, you, you just, you're carrying around all of this extra visceral fat and someone said, well, what if we do creep up into that area and there's a 55% increase in right. you getting rid of your body fat just by sleeping or just by, you know, committing to try to sleep for three more hours like that's a pretty powerful thing that I, a lot of people probably don't know right right for sure and i know when i recently like retooled everything and looked at my life and you know restructured my sleep patterns i found that before i put the commitment towards doing this i was giving myself a lot of excuses as to why i couldn't sleep right six seven eight hours and it was oh i've got a bunch of stuff to do when you're well rested you can stay productive during the course of the day going to bed earlier is not affecting the things that you need to do during the day at right. least in my case that's what i found it was a lot more excuses and doubt as to i can get that much sleep rather actually not being able to put the time aside to get that much sleep and that's the position that I'm trying to put myself in is I really want to get all this stuff out there to convince people to just try it. Right. Because that momentum is so powerful. Like when you prove to yourself that something's actually worth it, you just be open-minded for like a week or two mm -hmm. and really try something and say like, I'm just going to give this a shot. You know, I, I, I'm not interested in twice the risk of getting cancer when I'm older. Right. I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Dead's going to be sooner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead, you know, Alzheimer's prior to being dead, you know, was really no way to, you know, to carry out, you know, the end of your life. So it's, it's one of those things where it, it's just so important to either ask yourself whether you are personally open-minded and whether you're ready to go, or if there's someone around you helping them and you can help them through leading by example. Like, you know, maybe they're your coworker and they see you in the morning and you're like, Hey, how you doing? And they're like, well, oh, oh, what do you, this is America. We wake up, we roll out of bed, we caffeinate the shit out of ourselves and we coast through the first three hours, not really knowing what the hell is going on. Like, yeah. Oh, you feel good in the morning. What's that all about? How is that possible? Like there's, you know, you can lead by example. You can try to convince people. So that momentum is just so important. And we touched earlier on the piece about anabolic versus catabolic. And if people don't know, um, you know, what the heck I'm talking about, the easiest way that I like to explain it in today's climate and hearing anabolic steroids, um, on the news, whether it's cycling or baseball or CrossFit, or CrossFit, um, anabolic is growth. So, when we are asleep, we are in an anabolic state. And when we are awake, we are in almost an entirely catabolic state. And there are catabolic states that we bring on ourselves on purpose. Exercise. Exercise. Um, you know, maybe even, you know, hot and cold exposure. You know, stresses where we decide to add them in, if they actually fit, um, are, are much different. But they're still catabolic. And that anabolic state is where we actually make them happen really make them like take hold when you exercise or when you do something where you're stressing yourself out on purpose, you are actually beating yourself down. And if there's no recovery after, then it's negative. Right. So you could literally be exercising your way to being unhealthy. Right. Which it's is that, a, it's that Travis concept. Williams concept of there's no overtraining, just under recovering. Absolutely. So knowing that sleep is the ultimate performance enhancing drug um, that's big. It's, it's, it doesn't really matter which, um, you know, which side you're relying on to either make your living or to have a better life, whether it's physical or mental, 
the benefits are the same going through there. So we don't need to, you know, we say performance enhancing drug and we use all of these sports analogies. We don't need to be heading out into the world, making our money. It's not that many people making their money through their, you know, physical prowess. Right. Um, right. but we get those same things from, um, from sleep. So it's, it's super helpful to, to be able to understand, you know, where we're coming from there. Um, one yin and yang piece also, um, not to get too far into it, but we have something, um, in our body called telomeres and the length of our telomeres are the number one decider of how long we're going to live, or at least that's where science is at right now. Um, sleeping pills have shown to decrease telomere length. So it's almost like, Mm. like the rings of a tree or something like that. Like when you go to look at telomere length, if, if you know something shortening that you're literally shortening your life. So sleeping pills, which we'll get into here in a little bit, will shorten that. But increased sleep time is shown to lengthen telomeres. And that shouldn't be surprising to anybody. But it's not, we're not associating this directly with, you know, those buzzwords, cancer risk, you know, heart, anything like that. We're going straight to the telomeres, these things that are telling us um, how well we're treating ourselves in this sort of overall sense. And sleep is shown in multiple studies to increase telomere length. Sleeping lengthens your life is sort of the the take home for me from a lot of this stuff. Yeah. I mean reduce cancer risk, less fat just from sleep, that would that would increase your life, man. Yeah. And and the Misfit project is built on these these things with low barrier to entry. Go outside, be with your friends. Step 1. Yep. Step 2, sleep more. You know, these we're not, you know, this podcast that you're listening to is free content that we're going to put out on our YouTube channel and blogs and all this stuff is going to be free. So you're going to be able to listen to this and then go try to put it into your life. And that's really what we're trying to achieve. I mean, maybe listen to this while you're outside getting the sun or as you're falling asleep. Absolutely. Combining all of this stuff is really like once we make it to the end, once we go through the six weeks, we circle back and we just keep going round and round. And once everything's connected, that's when it works the best. Um, so as promised, we are moving on from all of the gloom and doom, um, of the scientific studies that are telling us that we're, um, not sleeping our way essentially to dying younger or having our quality of life be, you know, absolutely trashed when we get older. Um, now it's time for action items. Quality, quantity, timing, is a hierarchy that will be mentioned throughout the Misfit Project on a bunch of different topics. And just like sleep is not necessarily more important than uh, your stress levels, maybe it does come first. So an order of something is not, you know, like let's say you, I don't know, buy a piece of furniture and you got to put it together. You have to put it together before you sit on it, right? But I mean, that doesn't mean sit the, on the box. ultimate purpose of using the furniture <laughs> is putting it together. Sure. Yeah. So this order is really important to make sure that we have success, but it's not to say that sleep quality is more important than how often you sleep or, or anything like that. But we have to be able to attack the things that we can attack, create momentum, and then you know sort of refocus when we come out the other side. So... Step one is improving our sleep quality. So this is for all the people out there that are not ready for me to tell them how long they need to sleep or the fact that they should probably sleep on a pretty consistent schedule. How do we make the time that we actually have or the perceived time that we have work for us? Um, Preparation is so, 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 so important. If we just go from you know, our crazy lives and, you know, light exposure and all this stuff. And then try, we all know you go lay in bed after, you know, a big debate or conversation, or, you know, you read this book that was blowing your mind. You lay there and you think about it, or you lay there and think about all the stuff that you didn't do during the day. Oh yeah. Or you lay there and think about all the stuff you have to do in the next day. The time frame that I'm asking for that can be shortened 
based on, on how much time you actually have is two hours. So we want to say that we are going to start to cut off blue light exposure and we're going to start calming our mind down two hours prior to when we want to go to bed. And there are ways to do this where you're like completely all in, you know, you're like, I don't know, a professional athlete or something. And you're trying to squeak out every ounce of performance here. Um, that could literally mean no light exposure two hours prior to bed. Now that's challenging. Yeah. It's extremely challenging. What we can do is we can turn on night shifts on our phones. We can turn on flux or night shift on our computers. So we can start to get rid of some of that blue light. We can watch TV with blue, blue blocking glasses. Um, those are super cheap. Get them right on Amazon. And essentially what it's doing um, is turning what you're watching orange. It's the easiest way to explain it. And what that does is that takes out you know, that light that's so much more powerful than the sun that's tricking your body into thinking it doesn't need to produce melatonin. So the blue light, super important. And then the, just that mindset change. Like I'm not in it anymore with my day. I'm trying to slow things down. And if you don't have the two hours, give yourself 30 minutes, start somewhere and convince yourself that it's worth it. And naturally you'll make that progression. You'll start to get ready, uh, you know, sooner. Um, another thing that's tough for people, they're listening to this and they're like, dude, what about my Netflix? Like, that's like my day. Yo, if I'm going to come home and you're telling me I can't watch Netflix, I'm going to turn this podcast off in the next 10 seconds. Uh, not, I'm not saying that again, if we're looking for a hundred percent adherence and we're trying to, you know, get everything we can out of this, the TV would be off. But what we can do is we can throw those glasses on and we can try to choose something that's a little bit more lighthearted. So stay away from like psychological thrillers, documentaries, things that get your brain racing. Steer towards essentially dumb, dumb shit. Like, like trailer park boys. Yeah. Like trailer park boys. It's always sunny. It's always sunny. Rick and Morty, you know, whatever direction you want to go in, whatever your, you know, if, you know, I know Jen and I don't agree on this, but, but Jen would be watching friends probably. Oh yeah. 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 Um, so would Jordan cook. Oh, so would Jordan cook. So no thank you on my side, but I'm not, I'm not going to be there. So choose that stuff that makes you laugh, that makes you smile, that makes you, you know, you're not watching it to like figure out what's going to happen. Like a lot of these shows don't even, the next episode doesn't even mean anything. You know, there's no chronological order. It's just essentially what's going on within that episode. The same goes for if we have taken that leap and gotten rid of the technology, if you're going to read, reading is awesome for putting you to sleep. I know a lot of people that tell me I can't read because it puts you to, puts me to sleep. Yeah. I'm one of those people. Good. Let it put you to sleep. Um, There are actually studies that show that you're going to remember what you read if it puts you into sleep more than if you read it and then went about your day afterwards. Weird. It like sticks with you more. What if you fall asleep with the book on your face? Does it help at all? It it will as your uh, mask. (laughs) Perfect. Block that light. So we want to keep that as um, fiction as much as we can. Try to essentially escape into, you know, I would say Harry Potter, but escape into a world that doesn't require your analytic, you know, analytical brain. Like I'm just reading this cause it's cool. I'm good. I don't, you know, a lot of people are, are asking me like, Hey, do I, re- I, I read this book and it's, you know, really information based, but it's helping me fall asleep. I'm not telling you, you can't do that. If you've got something that works for you, I'm all about it. But the research has shown that fiction is a lot better for falling asleep than nonfiction. Yeah, so pick, just, a, pick a book that's not going to make you think. It's not right. going to force you to think about things. Right. And if you're reading it and you're getting sleepy, there's a pretty good chance you're, it's not like setting your brain on fire. And when you close it, you just can't sleep. Right. Um, I know for me, a lot of the times when I'm reading something that has to do with tribes, sleep, stress, <laughs> you know, all of these things, I go into the mode of you know, what's the next article? What's the next podcast? What's the next video? How am I going to outline it? You know, what right. are the bullet points? What am I going to say? You start analyzing. I start analyzing it. And, you know, I've, I've thought that 15 minutes has passed before and like, oh crap, I need to get it together. I need, it's time to fall asleep and I'll take a peek, which I'm not supposed to do. And it's been like 45 minutes or an hour. So 
that's something for me that hits home a lot because it essentially is my job. So if I'm taking, you know, you don't want to take your job into, into that like sleep realm. Mentally, it's just not going to do very well for you. Um, temperature. This is both for, um, the sleep sanctuary that we're going to talk about in a second, but then your body temperature itself. So I know a lot of people that take like Epsom salt baths or something like that prior to going to bed and the magnesium is awesome. The problem is getting that core temperature way up is not awesome. Right. So what we would want to do if you are taking that Epsom salt bath, jump in the shower and no, I'm not telling you to take a cold shower because that would do essentially the same thing in the opposite direction. You know, get you, get your body super stressed out, but take a lukewarm shower Try to get your body back down to, you should have that moment where you're wondering like, is this a little bit too cold? Like, do I want to be standing here in the shower? And that's when you turn it off. That's when you turn it off and you, you know, head, you know, into, and you can do this. This is not just like, oh, I need to change my core temperature because I was taking a bath. I recommend a lukewarm shower for people that struggle with sleep all the time gets that core temperature down because when we get into deep sleep or when we're trying to get into deep sleep, we're trying essentially to get our core temperature down to like a much lower level. Um, last but not least, I'm putting this in here because I know I'm going to get asked regardless. So sleep supplements, um, sleeping pills are sedative in nature. They knock you out. They do not send you through the three sleep cycles. So essentially whenever that sedation ends, you wake up, um, people will deal with like, they'll get knocked out from a sleeping pill, but then when they wake up, they're wide awake because they haven't gone through the process of, you know, their body switching over from, you know, cortisol to melatonin, a true sleep. Um, we talked earlier about the sleeping pills actually shortening your telomeres AKA shortening your life. That should be enough, but knowing that they essentially just knock you unconscious is really important. And that includes NyQuil, ZQuil, all of these things that trick you into thinking you're going to sleep. That's why people always speak of the NyQuil hangover. You're like, whoa, why do I feel that way? Because you got knocked unconscious (laughs) for uh, a period of time. It's really scary if if you understand your sleep cycles and you use one of the apps that shows you and then you use a sedative based, you don't move, you don't come in and out, like you're done. You're out. You're down. Just out. But you're not in deep sleep. You're not producing testosterone. You're not doing all of these things that your body is supposed to do while it's asleep. Um, however, I am a very big fan of magnesium. Um, I take natural calm. Uh, that's one thing that you can take. A bunch of companies have, you know, different types of, of sleep supplements um, that have magnesium in them. Uh, Epsom salt baths work really well. Again, if we make sure that, that we can get our core temperature back down, uh, there's studies that show that the magnesium lotion, like a topical base kind of thing work. So there's a bunch of different ways to go that route. And I'll take magnesium essentially almost every night. And what that's doing more than anything is, you know, it's not actually a sleep supplement. It's a, um, it's kicking us into that parasympathetic nervous system where our body's calming down enough to then accept the fact that we're going to sleep. Right. So it has, has a calming effect, which can help, um, keep you asleep. So don't think that if you take magnesium, it's going to knock you out and then you're going to feel like crap the next day. It's not even, it's, it's not even necessarily going to, um, make you sleep as much as it's going to help you get into the mindset of being able to go there. Um, I also do, you know, my personal stack, I have uh Virutech in there, which is a product from on it. Um, we don't have any like affiliation with no. them or anything like that, but it's got, um, zinc, which would be that connection to the ZMA. People talk a lot about, yep. uh, vitamin C great for the immune system also has a calming effect. Um, and then I believe there's selenium in there as well, which is which is really important for the immune system, not necessarily sleep-related. But I put those together um, and notice a big difference when I do that. Big one that people always want to know about is melatonin. Um, anytime that we take something, the, you know, the term is exogenous, something from outside and put it into our body that our body already produces, our body doesn't think it needs to produce it anymore. 
So that's what's dangerous about melatonin. Because mm. as the sun starts to go down, our body starts to produce it. Our pineal gland, you know, lets it out. And unless we trick our body, you know, with staring at the television or something like that, it's going to continue to ramp up. Cortisol, the stress hormone is going to go down. And that's that balance that we're looking for. That's, that's that trajectory that we want throughout the day. Um, the only time that I recommend and, and we can you know, make a PDF for you guys or shoot a YouTube video or something where we talk about the two week sleep reset that I do with people is if someone's sleep is just so messed up, if it's jet lag, if it's, you know, insomnia, if it's one of these things, we can use melatonin to reset our body clock, but that's a very low dose for a very short period of time. Like once we notice it working, once we notice like, okay, my sleep cycle starting to make sense. That's the time when we really want to cut it off. So melatonin's not, you know, it's not terrible. It's not bad for you, but if we're not producing it on our own and we're only taking it, um, we're, we're essentially, uh, you know, a slave to that. And that's something that you don't want because you might not always have it. And any time that our body produces something, it's going to be better at regulating that than you are by taking a random pill. Yeah. It will know what to do better than you will. Absolutely. So a couple of things in prepping for sleep have, you know, prefaced, you know, pushing us into creating your sleep sanctuary is what a lot of, um, sleep experts call it. The biggest one is going to be the electronics. Your room should be, your room should be for sleep. Your bed should be for sleep. So we shouldn't spend, if we can, hardly any time awake in our bed. Super important. Your, your mind is so powerful in associating, okay, we come in here, we sleep, we alarm goes off or we wake up on our own, we leave. Like our body's really good at that. And if we create that association in a positive way by, by only being in there, if we're going to sleep, then our body's going to know it's going to have kind of that trigger like, oh, we're here. This is what it feels like when we're about to sleep. Let's go to sleep. Electronics. The biggest one for me is the television. I really, really push for people to take the TV out of the bedroom. Um, and I mean out of the bedroom. Don't just unplug it. Um, it's still there. It's still, um, it should be no surprise to people that biologically the TV is just messing us up really bad. It's really easy to get addicted to it. Yep. So if we're addicted to something, you know, if you were a heroin addict and you were trying to get off heroin and you were trying to go to bed and you knew there was a bag of heroin in the corner, it would be harder to go to sleep. <laughs> I mean, I'm not speaking from personal experience or anything, but I'm just saying like, it's something that you're addicted to being in your room going to be a problem right so like people facebook on your phone yeah so people know what's coming next yeah that's that's that segue um make it if you're gonna have your phone in your room make it so that you can't use it airplane mode um there's all kinds of research on electromagnetic fields being bad for you while you sleep you know you're getting you know the the bluetooth and the you know all that different stuff and there's schools of thought on both sides of the fence as there always is with different stuff. But if there's a possibility of my brain getting fried because of the thing laying next to me and I'm going to be asleep, I might as well turn it off. Like, right. So if you want to, if you have to use your phone as an alarm, um, or you just can't not have it next to you, do everything that you can. I know there's parents out there that are like, there is no way in hell I'm not having my phone ready for, you know, when little Timmy gets arrested or, <laughs> for, you know, <laughs> damn it, Timmy, <laughs> for who knows what. So on the parent side, um, it would probably wouldn't be airplane mode, but it might be like your favorites. You can do that. I know you can do that on an iPhone where like the only phone that the only phone that rings through, do not disturb are the people on your favorites list. Right. Right. There's, so there's a bunch of different ways to do this. Um, if we want to be really black and white about it, get your phone out of your room. Just don't have it in there. Have it charging somewhere else. When you wake up, and you're drawn to it, you have to leave your room. So that means that you won't spend too much time in bed. There are some positives there. And if we're going in the other direction, it's just, you know, airplane mode would be great. If you can't do that again, the do not disturb. Um, a lot of people find it contradictory that I ask for them to use the sleep apps. The one thing that's good is, is there are some wearables that are coming out that a lot of people have that will tell you, even if your phone's in another room, so it that can be a little bit better the process regardless. Yeah. It tracks the process. Like for a little while I was trying out one of the Fitbit like smartwatches yep. and I was able to just get the phone completely away. 
um, and you can put the the watch itself on do not disturb so nothing comes through it yeah i think that's one of my favorite features of the whoop is it tracks sleep automatically like you don't have to start sleep or end sleep like it just has that built in to track it automatically absolutely so that leads into the blackout we need no light none absolutely nothing if you live in a place where it's actually pitch blackout, you don't need to get like blackout curtains or anything like that because the sun coming through could actually wake you up in a positive way. It could set that circadian rhythm the way that we want it to. A lot of us don't. I mean, I know just, just you know, we're in Maine, so we're the epitome of like being out there in the wilderness or whatever, but I know plenty of houses that there's a street light outside that could mess with you. I feel like it's odd to find a house that there isn't a street light outside of i purposely have a house well yeah (laughs) there's no street light can't like essentially he shot it out with a bb gun (laughs) no comment (laughs) there are i I don't think there are any street lights on my street because when i walk the dogs at night it can get scary because there's a lot of like wildlife yeah and it's probably a squirrel that i'm like yo but my dog one of my dogs is just a little bit bigger than a squirrel just so, a little just bit. a little yeah, bit bigger than a squirrel a so it doesn't really matter uh what it is when it comes to him i That's, think hank would beat a squirrel in a fight though oh man i think hank would beat a lot of things he, in a fight he's a vicious little thing he's a vicious little man it's very true so um really easy to grab some electrical tape and just pull a square off and put it over the um you know the fire alarm you know, carbon monoxide detector. You've got a charger in your room. I mean, some of those chargers are crazy. And the more you black out your room, the worse these little lights become. Oh, yeah. I've got my humidifier because it gets really dry in Maine in the winter. My humidifier, light, it lights up the entire room. Like like you could, you could play cards. I mean, you could read I, a book. I can off the top of my head think of four to five lights in my bedroom that right now you can't see. But as soon as the sun goes down... It's like an orchestra of blue and green lights all over the place. Yep. So Alexa. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like she, I felt like she was going to respond. I'm so like connected to that speaker being in my kitchen that when you just said that, I was wondering what you were, what you were going to tell her to do. I was watching the misfit podcast the other day and Travis said Alexis's name and Alexa responded. I don't know what you're talking about. That's happened. I was like, stop it. That's happened lady. at my house as well. Cut. If I say Alexis, she responds. It's crazy lady. So, Tiny little piece of electrical tape, put it over those lights. That makes it really easy if you're worried about someone coming in your room and thinking you're a freak. Electrical tape's really cheap, peels off easy, so you can take it off and not worry about people wondering or why there's these little black dots all over your room. Gaff tape is not cheap, but it comes off easier. So gaffer's tape might be a better option if you don't want sticky residue all over all your electronics. Very true. So make it dark in your room for sleep. Really, really, really important. Temperature. We talked about body temperature. Well, if you take that lukewarm shower and then you go into your room and it's 75 degrees, good luck hitting that third stage of sleep. And for all of my performance junkies out there, third stage of sleep, deep sleep is where our body starts just dumping out growth hormone and testosterone. And no, I'm not talking about like the stuff that Alex Rodriguez injects into his ass cheeks. Like, your body produces that stuff. That stuff is natural. We're supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to have that stuff. We're supposed to be able to, you know, regrow tissue. We're supposed to, you know, be vibrant during the day. Um, Deep sleep, that third stage where we need the darkness, we need that temperature right. We need all of these different things. That is where we're producing these hormones. And man, not having those hormones is is going to lead us in a lot of really, really bad directions. So again, another reason why sleep is coming before stress, sleep is coming before movement, sleep is coming before nutrition, all of these pieces. We have to be able to set ourselves up to succeed. And deep sleep is the place where we create the hormones to be able to succeed out in the actual real world once we wake up. The studies have shown, and there's a swing in this for a reason, that the optimal temperature in your room, uh, get ready to shiver, is 63 to 67 degrees. Um, Balmy. You get used to it very quickly, I can tell you right now. It's not, it's the reason I believe, you know, just intuitively why it's 63 to 67 is because how the hell would they know what the exact temperature is if one person's going to wear different clothes to bed or, you know, wrap blank more blankets around themselves. Like you're probably going to do a really good job of regulating your temperature to make sure you're not too cold to sleep. 
Um, and I, and I believe that's why there's a swing there. So if you could truly sleep in like a 66, 67 degree room without wearing, you know, a lot of clothes or having a thick blanket, that's where the 67 would come in. And if you're one of those people that's like got a hoodie on and like, you can just see your eyes, you got like 10 blankets. I think that's probably where the lower side would come from. And essentially what it's saying is we're trying to get to that certain core temperature. And as we go from stage one to stage three of sleep, our core temperature drops and then goes back up, but we need it to drop to go through there. And the way for you to understand this, the easiest is those summer nights when you can't sleep. Oh God. They're so bad. Literally wake up sweating, fall asleep, wake up sweating, fall asleep. That's because your body is trying so hard to get into deep sleep and it can't. So it just wakes you up because the other stages of sleep, we, you know, our, our trigger is very, very thin. Like it's really easy for us to wake up. So there's, those are the times when, it's going to be a lot easier for some sort of external thing to, you know, pop us out of sleep. And those nights are miserable. The worst. Yeah. The worst. So the inverse is a 63 to 67 degree room. Um, I sort of laugh to myself. I don't know if you could hear it when I say that because I've said it to so many people and then they always come back and use it to make fun of me at some point. Um, I'm perfectly okay with that because it means they remembered it and it means that they're probably putting it into practice. It's like the only plus side to a hotel room is the thermostat on the wall, being able to set it to like a very specific temperature and have it try to get it. And it's easy a lot of times to black out a hotel room. Yep. Um, you've got the curtains that typically help a lot. And then for me, I usually like have some form of like compression, like underwear or pants or something like that. That's up over the smoke detector t-shirt that's like tucked in behind. I'll use my athletic tape to tape a t-shirt so that it drapes over the thermostat. Once I get it to the area that I want to, um, that that's actually a, a perfect segue to air circulation. Um, if we are just, breathing in and breathing out the exact same air all night that's sort of and then ends up in like a cloud above us um it's going to be harder for for sleep quality and the the motivating factor for me to other people is hey you know if you don't have something that creates air changes in your room which would be you know central air uh get a fan that you know pulls air in and pushes it back out you know if you have money Um, one with some sort of filter in it helps because then it's actually, you know, making the air that it pushes out the other side a little bit better. Um, and then one thing that you can do that's, you know, cheap money wise is get a plant in your room. Plants clean air really well. So if we get a fan and a plant in our room, um, you know, we're changing air quality. And if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you spend 30% of your life in there. Yeah. So you think about all the other stuff that you do in your car is air freshener. You got to have this and that in your office at work to make sure that you have amenities. But then people will laugh at me when I ask them to get a plant. And I'm like, you spend 30% of your life laying there in that room. Like yeah. I'm not good at maintaining plants for sure. Like, <laughs> Get, because get I don't, a low maintenance plant. I don't ask. And then I, one time I had a low maintenance plant and I watered the shit out of it and I killed it. So when you go to like a nursery or whatever, you're going to buy this or you want to do some research online, look for something that is easy to maintain. Or if you're into that kind of thing, you know, don't get something that's easy to maintain. Um, so that is action items for sleep quality. Start there. Start to try to make these changes find, you know, do it all at once. If you want to, if if you're the type that's like, I need these precise things. Um, I actually heard on, on a podcast recently, it explained as a baker versus a chef. There's some people that are bakers that need that precise. They work better with like, you do this and then you do this and then you do this. They feel like they have a regiment. And then there's the chef that it's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Like baking's like science, chefing. I don't think that's the, the word for it, but cooking is more of an art. I like chefing. Throw a dash of this, a dash of that. Exactly. And maybe next time the shit changes. Like, And that's when all of that stuff that I just said becomes a la carte. You're the type of person that's harder to convince and to motivate. So pull that piece out that was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. I'll try that. I'm not getting a plant, bozo, but <laughs> you know, I'll turn the temperature down a little bit or I'll try this or I'll take a shower. Like, Find the piece that works for you or if you're the detail-oriented type, grab it all. It's, it's you know stuff that, that 
is proven through study. And then for me, what I find is even more important is the intuitive piece. It's worked really well for me personally, and I've been playing around with a lot of it for years now. So magic world, once again, you've improved your sleep quality. Now we got to talk quantity. You can have amazing sleep quality. And if you sleep for 90 minutes for that one sleep cycle, it's not going to go so well. It's all for naught. It's all for naught. You know, we talked about adding or losing body fat just based on sleeping. So 90 minutes, not going to be so great. Um, but there has been research on that 90 minute sleep cycle being really important in terms of how long you should sleep. So we're trying, essentially saying we're trying to sleep in, I don't think 90 minute intervals is the right word, but cycles, 90 minute cycles. So what we can do is we can look at our alarm and say, let's say that I wanted, and this is really that sweet spot for a lot of people, five sleep cycles which equals seven and a half hours of sleep. I said sleep, not seven and a half hours in your room, seven hours and 15 minutes in your room. I think seven and a half hours takes between eight and eight and a half hours to achieve. So eight, eight to eight and a half hours in your room to achieve a true five sleep cycle night. Now, the thing that I use because I'm not, you know, quite as big on, um, I don't, I don't think that I personally am not good enough at sleeping to say I'm going to sleep seven and a half hours because I have the variable alarm. So there's the, the app, the sleep yep. cycle app, where essentially we want to wake up coming out, of, um, coming out of deep sleep and into light sleep. So we've gone through that 90-minute sleep cycle. We're on the other side of it. Our body's a little bit more alert. And that's that phenomenon of I didn't sleep that much, but, man, I feel pretty damn good. Right. Or I slept a ton and I feel like crap. When our alarm kicks us out of deep sleep, our body does not like it. It's trying to do X, Y, and Z. It's in a amazing parasympathetic um, you know, pathway with our nervous system. And then our body's like, boom, let's go. And that's when we have those mornings where even though we slept for a long time, maybe even slept really well, we're just like, ugh, I do not feel well. Right. So our goal there would be to use something like the variable alarm or to wake up on your own. Um, if you have the ability to do that, that's the end all be all. Go now, to bed, you, go to bed you, when you're tired uh, and wake up on your own. Have you seen these light alarms? Phillips makes one. It looks like a dome that like slowly ramps up the level of light coming out of the bulb. Yeah, and that's amazing for your circadian rhythm. I've found that light can be your best friend or your worst enemy. Depending if, on the time of day. Th- well, so yes, depending on the time of day, but depending on what your recent cycle has been like. Mm. Because there's a little window in my room and it's, I don't know, maybe one foot by one foot and it just looks into the backyard and it's right next to my, like where I sleep, like two feet away. And when I had an earlier wake time, when I was going to bed earlier and waking up earlier, I felt amazing when the sun woke me up much better. I just sort of slow, I felt like I was like slowly waking up and like coming out of it. Cause you know, there's the spectrums of light as the sun starts to actually make its way, you know, past the hemisphere I also found that if I went to bed too late or if I had, um, let's say, what I considered an acceptable circadian rhythm, but it was an hour or two later, you know, let's say it's summertime and the sun's coming up at 4.30 or 5, it kicked my ass. So if you have this amazing life where you get to like, you can let it shift throughout the year, your sleep times, good, go for it. For me though, something like that light, next to your bed would be super helpful if I set it at a low enough interval I'd really want it to be slow because I did find that I'd wake up at this like specific spectrum of light like literally yeah so I don't I don't I've never used one so I don't know exactly how it works but um in terms of of you know setting yourself up to succeed that would be that's that's a big part of the timing piece that we'll go over next um so 90 minute sleep cycles the minimum is four, and that's just for me to get my foot in the door. If I'm just having such a tough time convincing someone, all right, we're going to agree that we're going to get four true sleep cycles. Five is where I want most people um, that are not worried about physical performance, and six, which is nine hours of sleep, which is nine to ten hours a night of 
being in bed. Um, that's where I want anyone concerned with extreme versions of physical and mental performance. Oh. That's the amount of time that I want somebody there. And I actually don't recommend anybody go to seven. Um, there's, there's research on the other side of, of sleeping too much and screwing with your body clock and getting too far away from, you know, how the day works and sort of that eight hour thing that, that's popped up throughout, you know, you know, all of the different times where they've studied sleep. So, um, we need to, so we've, we've got, we've gotten this down. We're going for four five or six sleep cycles, 90 minutes. We got to add 30 to 60 minutes to that number to make sure that we actually get that amount of sleep. And then that, the thing that I talked about before the time in bed, I really, really have to stress the fact that you should make sure that you are only sleeping in bed. Like you go in, you've calmed yourself down. Maybe, maybe, maybe that thing with the book is there. You know, we're reading the book. We're trying to knock ourselves out. It'd be better if it was, even if it was in the same room and it was in a chair, um, just so that that position, that feeling of being in bed, you know, whatever sounds you have going in the room, you've got a fan, like your body will associate that with sleep and help you sleep better. Same idea goes for the morning. How many of us grab our phone immediately immediately and go straight in it's eventually you know eventually a big part of the misfit project is going to be our phone use yeah and our electronics use yeah it is not currently because i would feel like such a freaking hypocrite it's crazy like i the whole don't talk about it be about it i i, I can't talk about it until I can figure out my own personal addiction, why I open Instagram so many times a day. Uh, yeah, I mean, they the Instagram HQ says the average user visits Instagram 35 times per day. And you thought that was low, right? Uh, for me, it's got to be at least double that. I mean, between like all the accounts, whatever, but it's like instinct. I unlock my phone and Instagram is in that bottom right corner and I tap it. Even if I'm opening my phone to like check my bank account, check some movie times. The first thing I do is open Instagram and I don't even mean to half the time. You go to send that important email and you don't even yeah. send it. Yeah. You get in Instagram. You're like, Ooh, what's this meme? Right. Oh, rabbit like, hole. Two I hours later. Here? Yeah. Why am I, wait, why did I pick up my phone? Yeah. Did I pick up my phone just to go on Instagram? No, there was something else. Yeah. I don't know what the hell it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this well, is why Drew doesn't respond to text messages. Yes. Well, so <laughs> little side tangent there get up out of bed, go use your phone until the misfit project just tells you that you shouldn't anymore. Uh, that's half, half joking. If you can avoid it though, don't pick up your phone first thing. Yeah. Don't pick up your phone first thing. I mean, that's the, you know, episode number four is about stress and catapulting ourselves into the day is not good. And that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. It's the easiest way. Email, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. Ah, what's going on in the world? Like instead of taking a little bit of time for yourself. So we've gone over sleep quality. We just talked about sleep quantity. Now it's about timing and timing in regards to sleep is essentially talking about consistency. You will sleep better. The more often that you go to bed and wake up at the same time, your body will understand that that's when we wake up. That's when we go to bed and start to essentially create these rhythms that we've been talking about the entire podcast with hormones, with our moods, with, you know, I feel sleepy. So I go to bed. It's, that's how it's supposed to feel. And you are supposed to wake up with energy. And I know it's, you know, we're living in the United States of America and I know there are a lot of people not waking up with energy. We're trying to fix that. So same time as often as you possibly can. And what I like to do is these little challenges, whether it's with a group of friends or your gym or the online Misfit Project community, just just set a little bit of a goal. I'm going to go to bed at the exact same time for two weeks, one week, three days, whatever it is. Start to show yourself how this stuff works, and then you'll actually have the motivation to make it more of a part of your life. Um, the last piece here for timing is... There are a lot of sleep researchers who say your night of sleep begins that morning. How so? We tell ourselves that we are awake and it's time to set our circadian rhythm. It's time to spike cortisol so that we can wake up by seeing the sunlight. 
So mm-hmm. we're saying that what you do right when you wake up is actually dictating how well you're going to sleep the next night and then how your body's going to develop its circadian rhythm and how your body's going to go through cortisol starts high, starts to go low. So the graph would go down on the cortisol during the day and the graph on melatonin would go up during the day. That's, that's that thing that we're looking for. So the very first thing that you should do is go outside or open the window, get direct sun exposure on as much bare skin as possible. Now where I live, I can head out onto my back deck naked if I want to. No one's going to see it. And if someone did see it, they'd be trying to see it. So that's, you know. Good for them. Yeah, good for you. Victory. Yeah. Nice job. (laughs) Um, Where you live, that might not be possible. But you know what? I mean, what's the difference between a bathing suit and compression shorts? This is not that much different. If someone's really worried about it, again, I think they're probably watching on purpose. So sun exposure. Now, we live in the amazing state of Maine. Sun exposure can be at a minimum. And we talked about this in episode two, talking about it again here in relation to a different piece. We can go out and buy a sun lamp. Um, there's the one that Ted just mentioned that I think Phillips makes um, where it's waking you up. So that would be very easy. Or we can go get, uh, luckily, in the Amazon age, we don't have to pay Phillips. Um, you know, this conglomerate United States company, the man, we don't have to pay Phillips a hundred dollars because someone somewhere knew that they could make a freaking light for $20 and sell it for 30 or make a one for $5 and sell it for 20. So if you go on Amazon and you look for the blue light, you can get an affordable one now, which is really awesome. Um, I know that my wife has one and she puts it when she's like getting ready for work, she puts it, uh, on and right like next to the sink. So that way she's, she's not really adding anything to her routine. Like that time has already been taken up by doing that. So she can get that blue light exposure as she's getting ready. And we're not really adding this extra element of time. Um, she has a much more stressful job than I do. And she has a, a you know, the tr- more traditional, you know, let's call it nine to five type job. Whereas for me, I can develop this morning routine and just shift my work day. Um, so that's a way where, if you can't either go outside because you don't have the time to, you know, just dilly dally around in the morning, uh, or you walk outside, you know, maybe you live in Seattle, you walk outside, you live in Iceland. We got a bunch of friends in Iceland. Uh, you walk outside, there's nothing there. Right. So it's like, cool, it's freezing out here and it's, this is not going to work. So that's when you would go and buy that blue light and they are affordable now. What, what would you search for when going to Amazon to find one of these lights? Um, like what, what do they call them? I really think that it's just blue light. Some of them market them as like for uh, seasonal affect disorder. Um, so there's that part of it. But essentially, if you search blue light, you're going to get the blue blockers yep. and the lights. Okay. Those are the two things that you have. And it's kind of funny because we go out there and you know we'll talk about this. People demonize macronutrients. People demonize blue light and then get really confused. And they're like, you're telling me to buy a blue light? It's going to kill me. <laughs> It's like, no, we're not demonizing any of this stuff. Blue light is going to increase cortisol. It's going to make you alert throughout the day. I mean, that's something that we want. Just don't look at it before bed. Just don't look at it before bed. Um, or don't stare at, you know, the, the piece that probably confuses people the most is the computer screen. If you're not doing something like this hits home for you because you are photographer, videographer, you need to be able to see what the other person's going to see. Yes. So if you throw the blue blockers on, that's going to screw that up. Yeah. I can't color correct with blue blockers on. Exactly. But you do so much other stuff on the computer where you could throw your blue blockers on for that piece. And really that's just all about overstimulation. Your mind's going to get burnt out and confused because the sun is nowhere near as powerful as our computer screen. And that's, I mean, the graphs that show the sun and then your computer screen are scary. You're like, wait, what am I looking at? And from a biology standpoint, our body just doesn't understand. We haven't been looking. We've been around for a very, very long time. Um, We won't get into the argument about how long we've been around. uh, But we can all agree we've been around for a long time and our body just does not understand what's going on with the computer screen. What are our bodies going to look like in a few thousand years after we've been staring at computer screens all day, every day? A lot of people believe that this movement is powerful enough to help us find balance. Like we're going to go too far in the wrong direction 
and then it's going to kick us back towards what we're talking about on this podcast. I believe that, but, but it's because I believe in this stuff. Right. A lot of other people think that the world's just going to end and we're going to have to start over and that that's already happened before. So, I mean, if we want to go down that rabbit hole, no. that might be a separate episode. That might be a completely se- I don't even think that would belong on the Misfit Project. It's a little outside of the realm. It's a little outside of the realm. So, just to recap really quick, um, sleep is important. Very. Sleep is very important. Low barrier to entry. It doesn't cost you anything to sleep a little bit more unless you work 20 hours a day or something. Um, in the the, the hierarchy that we want to use, we want to make sure that our sleep quality is there. A lot of action items in this podcast. Make sure that our sleep quantity matches what our goals are for when we head out into the world and that the timing and how important the timing is. A lot of those sleep studies that show, you know, increased cancer risk aren't just about quantity. They're about our circadian rhythm and that repeatability. We don't want to confuse our body all the time. It stresses it out. And as we will learn next week, stress is not so great. Um, but I think we all understand understand that from an intuitive point. We, yeah. don't, we don't want to be stressed out. Um, that brings us to the end of this podcast, episode three on sleep, the Misfit Project. Hope you guys are enjoying it so far. I am personally becoming a little bit more comfortable with each episode. It's becoming a little bit more easy to attack this medium. Um so I hope you guys are uh, noticing the quality of the podcast improving. Hopefully it's not a figment of my imagination. Um, if you guys are looking for more, uh, looking to stay connected week to week, we are the, no, we're not. We are misfitproject.com on the internet. Um, we are at the misfit.project on Instagram. We are the misfit project on Facebook and YouTube. So misfitproject.com at the misfit.project and the misfit project. Once it's confusing right now, but once you get connected, you won't have to care about it anymore. Right. Be in your search history. You will be following the Instagram account and the other stuff will just pop up. The hashtags that I would like you guys to use to stay connected with me. So I know that you're working on this stuff is hashtag TMP rest. And that would be for the sleep work. Last week we did TMP tribe. Um, so feel free to start using those so I can connect with you guys, um, you know, can like and comment and, you know, find out who's listening to the podcast and then just hashtag the misfit project. Um, next week for episode four, we will be going over this balance of, uh, being in control of our own minds, mindfulness, stress, however you want to look at it. Uh, really excited to continue this. Hope you guys are enjoying. We'll see you next week. See you guys.